Pearl Next Door. Okay, we're in. Let's just do this. I love it. Welcome to Curl Next Door, episode eight. Curl Next Door is a podcast about curly hair and interesting people who have curly hair. That's right. And the occasional beauty tip or two. A few beauty tips. But you know, we also ask a lot of questions about beauty. So if you have the answer and you're the beauty expert, do let us know. It's been cool to hear from people now that we, you know, have a few episodes out there in the world and people are listening and chiming in on social media. So Naomi in Ottawa wanted to know about hats. (laughs) What kind of hat do you wear in the winter? Okay, I love this question. I love it. Mm. Because did we talk about this on another episode? My sister said, you know, what would be such a great idea if you Mm -hmm. could get a satin lined hat. Well, so I did a quick search and they actually exist. So that's what I would recommend. Get a hat that's got a satin or silk liner in it because it'll keep you cozy, but it also won't cause friction on your curls. That sounds smart. And then I would also say that for me, I've done hats that are kind of snug around the ears, but then not so tight on the crown. It doesn't have to be like a floopy, floppy hipster hat that like droops over the back of your head, but something that's not super tight has helped me from having really bad hat head. Yeah. And then also there's hats where there's no head part. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's considered a hat, like like a headband. It's sort of like a visor, but it's got it. So it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't sound very practical for winter. Well, yeah, but it could be because it still blocks snow from getting in your face. And depending (laughs) on the head coverage, like some of them have more or less head coverage. Okay. You have to send me a picture of this or we have to post it in social media because all I'm thinking is, well, if the snow's getting in your face, put on ski goggles. (laughs) No, no, I'm not not describing it perfectly, but I had one of these and it was fantastic because I could pull it on and it Mm -hmm. wouldn't like cause friction on my head. Mm. And then I could lift up like the flap at the, at the front and cover more of my head for warmth, but it never covered the entire head, but it was fine because I'd have my hair in a, like in a top knot or something. Okay. And so that's the other thing too. If you have your hair in a top knot, it allows your top knot to be free. (laughs) Free the top knot. Free the knot. Free the knot. Okay. You will, you'll have to send me some pictures of this and I'll post them on Instagram at the very least because I I can't picture it, but I need to know about this now because a lot of the time in winter I suffer with no hat because it's, I know it's going to wreck my hair and I'm just like, well, I'll be, I'll wear nice mittens and I'll be warm everywhere else. And then I'll just deal with it, deal with the coldness or bad hair. Like it feels like there's no in between, but Anyway, good question, Naomi. Thank you. We relate. And Stephanie will follow up with her innovation. There you go. I do love that our listeners are asking very good but tough questions. These are tough tough questions in life. You know, never mind the pandemic. What hat is not going to flatten out my curls? Yeah, well, we're all going to be inside all winter, so it's not going to matter. But maybe because we're going to be inside all winter, we need to be moisturizing our hair more because it's exposed to more heat. I don't know. That's true, but less heat styling probably because mm-hmm. why would you bother? Yeah. Because you're not going out. 
Oh, you know what's funny? Because we talked in in our mini-sode, we talked about dressing from the keyboard up. And I had a thought the other day because I had a Zoom meeting and it was like day three or four hair. I did a cute top knot with curly bangs out. But cute. the whole back was like a, a rat's nest. And I just bobby pinned it all over the place. So it was like hair that only looked good from the front. Because that's the only thing you see in the Zoom call. So not only is it above the keyboard dressing, but it's also just like the front half of your body. (laughs) (laughs) Only the front of your head. Like the back of my head was a disaster, but nobody would know. Not from that call anyway. So that's a great segue. Can we talk about my hair today? Sure. Yes. Let's talk about your hair. Okay. So I want to talk about hair clips. Okay. Because... When I was younger and hair clips and barrettes were all the rage, I was quickly turned off because they never fit or clipped on my hair. And they're now back in style. And my instinct was to avoid, avoid, avoid. Mm -hmm. But I keep seeing all my friends wearing these cute little clips and I wanted to try it out. And so I bought several different shapes and sizes and I tried them this morning and I tucked a few in and they looked like wings like horns they looked so silly and bad and so I started getting really frustrated and thinking oh just one more thing curly haired people can't do until I did I know and then I found a bunch of videos on YouTube with instructions and now I'm super jazzed and so we just took a photo we'll share it with our Instagram fans when we post this episode and you'll be able to see these cute little clock clips that I put in love it Did you like it when you saw? I love them. In fact, Stephanie, because I can't keep any secrets and I'm just, well, no, I can keep it. I can keep something in the vault, but more like my own things. I I, I tell everybody everything that's in my mind. Like I got you a present. I got you some hair clips because I thought they'd be so cute on you. And I thought you'd be able to style them in so many fun ways. And I don't know when I'm going to see you, but I literally have them like, you know, 10 feet away from where I am right now. And and then I saw you today and I was like, wow, she's already got some clips, but hopefully the ones I got you are different, but they looked really nice in your hair. I wasn't sure if I could rock it, if Mm -hmm. it was a young woman's game, but no, no, you can rock it. Yeah, because there's a lot of different styles available. So you can find something that suits your personality and suits your, and it doesn't have to be the trendiest, you know, whatever thing. That's right. Anyway, we are simpatico. I love that you sent me that text earlier that said, were your curls burning? I know. (laughs) That was so good. Yes. Are your curls burning? You know what? We should trademark that. We should. That's the name of this episode. I always feel like the episode names come to you like through the content. We don't, <laughs> we don't know what it is. We don't know what it is beforehand and then it becomes apparent. So this will be the last episode before we, we break for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we should take a moment to acknowledge people in our network. Mm-hmm. Like live, like I know you've said some thank yous through our social media channels, but mm-hmm. I thought that it would be nice to call people out in our podcast because as we're nearing the end of the year, I'm feeling so much gratitude for this podcast and mm-hmm. for everyone who helped make it happen. Yes. And there's absolutely. several people. And to be fair, we've been trying to do this on a budget. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have donated their time to help us with our hobby. 100%. So you down with this? Should we do this? Yes, do it. Let's do it. I'm full okay. of gratitude too for anyone who's listened to these episodes so far. Anyone who's given feedback. I mean, well, there's other people who have put in more time than you, but I'm grateful for you out there who are listening, who have chimed in on social media with a comment or a, a like. That's great. Yeah, agreed. Like, obviously, thanks to everyone for listening and for the feedback and for the suggestions and for the empathy. And in some cases, sharing your own photos or horror stories, frankly, of bad curly cuts, which really made us realize we were on the right track with this podcast. (laughs) Right? 100%. Like sometimes you do this and you're like, is anyone listening? No, people are listening and they relate. Yeah. Which is really validating. So who do you want to thank? Well, I mean, obviously you. Like pushing the peanut up the road and (laughs) helping make this happen and the whole idea. It's been amazing. And to you. Well, thank you. I mean, it's been such a, it's been such a tricky year, yeah. difficult for so many reasons. And a lot of people have been saying, well, how will your 2020 be defined? Like, how have you maximized your 2020? And launching this podcast is at the top of the list. It's yeah. so exciting. Like, it's something I'm really proud of and I'm excited that we can look back at 2020 and have this project done. It's been definitely a roller coaster year with very with high highs and low lows. (laughs) And the podcast definitely a high. And it's just fun. It's just fun to listen to. It's fun to research. It's fun to record with you. It's fun to collaborate with somebody you respect when you're on the same sort of wavelength. And everyone should have, whether it's something, whether it's a hobby or your profession, it doesn't always have to be monetized. I mean, it's just about finding joy in life and pursuing passions and making space for different aspects of yourself. Like for me, I'll go crazy if the only way I'm defined is as a mother, you know, or even as a designer or as a marketer, like you, you need, I need to feel like my whole self and that I'm not totally compartmentalized. Well said. (laughs) So who else do we think? We think Devin. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I need to give a shout out to my husband, Devin Allistone, who, in addition to the moral support, has helped us out in a variety of ways. He designed our branding and our Curl Next Door logo, which I'm super happy with and think is really cute. And he's been patiently teaching me how to do all of the post-production for Curl Next Door. He works in post-production and he's taught me how to use all sorts of different recording and editing software and has shared countless tips and tricks. That's awesome. And well, of course, your husband. Yeah, but uh, shout out to Devin because I love the logo. I think it's brilliant. I think he did a great job. And yeah, I mean, I don't see all of the things that are going on at your house behind the scenes. And then behind the scenes at my house too. Uh, You know, Edward's helped me with this remote setup and he's you know, been moral support for the podcast as well. I've had a lot of encouragement from friends. And then of course, my neighbor, Charlie Balderson, who's like a super sound wizard and just totally amazing. I mean, he's composed our wonderful intro music and theme song and let us use his recording studio for episode seven. 
which was recorded pre-pandemic. But, you know, Charlie's amazing and his standards are so high. So he's just a sweetheart and a really nice guy. But I always know he's going to have the answer and then some. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Yeah, Charlie's been amazing. And so that great little beat that you hear at the start and end of our podcast was composed by Charlie. It was really cool to be part of that experience. And I got really inspired. And Charlie actually wrote many minutes of music for us. It's like a whole track. So maybe one day we'll roll album. It's like the Curl Next Door album. Yeah, a single. And (laughs) we'll release our single. And we'll have to record some vocals and you'll be doing your Axl Rose voice. But yeah, the thing is... Most people who have a podcast use royalty-free music and that's fine. And it's definitely an, an affordable option. But when you can have something unique, like that, that was what really appealed to me at the beginning. And I know we listened to some free options or some low-cost options and never would have thought we're going to compose something. But then you get the pleasure of really trying to match up the feeling and the vibe to sounds. And it's like this kind of really interesting experience in as like to create anything. Yeah, it's been really cool. I'm thrilled. So should we talk about Curls Next Door? Yeah, go ahead. Should I start? Yeah, please. Okay. Maybe. Okay. I started in episode seven. So have at her. I'm very excited to talk about this person. She is a modern style icon. And I have to say, even going to the Women's March in in 2017, her outfit was amazing. Like a casual outfit, but that was amazing. So she's a fashion icon to me, but you might know her as Tracy Ellis Ross. My, I had goosebumps in your lead up. I'm excited. Oh, okay. So let's go back then a little bit. Her name was... Tracy Joy Silberstein. So she was born in October 1972. We know her as Tracy Ellis Ross. She's primarily an American actress, but she's a singer, producer, television host as well. So she's mostly well known for her lead roles in Girlfriends and Blackish. And now she has a hair care line for curly hair called Pattern Beauty. I have to admit this because this was the case for Brave too when I when I wanted to talk about Brave and you also talked about Brave but I hadn't seen the movie so I actually haven't gotten I haven't caught up on her shows. I know everybody loves Blackish. It's got a great reputation. I haven't watched it yet. And the reason I chose her is because I've always loved her red carpet style and her just her fashion sense is out of this world. So in doing this research, I learned She's the daughter of Motown artist Diana Ross and Robert Ellis Silverstein. So I guess it's because Ross seems like a common last name that I didn't connect her. Like sometimes when somebody like has a famous last name, you know their fame, you know, you make the connection and I never did. So Diana Ross and anyway, Tracy Ellis Ross seems a lot more grounded than someone like Liza Minnelli. Nothing against Liza, but it must be hard having like a super famous mom in some capacity. Who's Liza Minnelli's kid? Liza Minnelli's mother is Judy Garland. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> anyway. So I knew that. That's right. That's you right. knew that. So yeah, Trace, yeah. Tracy began her acting career in a bunch of independent films, 
Her big screen debut was playing a Jewish African-American woman in an independent feature film, Far Harbor. And that's because she is Jewish and African. I mean, I'm not saying she was cast in that because, but it's kind of like mirroring her life because her mom was black and her dad was Jewish and white. So, you know, that's kind of an interesting role for her to play. And her in 2000, she landed her first major studio role in Diane Keaton's movie Hanging Up. But her biggest career achievement was when she landed the lead role in the hit Girlfriends. So that was a CW show. And she played a woman named Joan Clayton. And she received two NAACP Image Awards for Outstanding Actress in a Comedy Series. So she was you know, it was a real breakout thing for her. And she she had a kind of, she was just sort of a rising star then. She was, she starred in a Kanye West music video, Touch the Sky. If, I'm not a huge Kanye fan, but if you like his music, she mm-hmm. was playing the role of the best friend of Kanye's ex. And in 2007, she starred with her brother, who's also an actor, and Queen Latifah in an HBO movie called Life Support. And what I do remember her actually from in 2011, I was still watching CSI back then. And she played, she had a recurring part for about four episodes as Lawrence Fishburne's estranged wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I loved CSI. Yeah. It had its time and place when like, it was just so good. And then it... (laughs) wasn't anymore after after like 10 years but yeah. uh, it's so funny CSI like sometimes I still have CSI moments I'll be in the car and I'm like if this was a crime scene she just threw out a gum wrapper there's her fingerprint on the gum wrapper yeah oh 100 percent. my <laughs> whole crazy. life is like I think I'm a CSI I'm like Edward one time there were footprints in the house and I said to Edward look at this mess. And he's like, oh, it wasn't me. And I was like, but I can match the mess to the shoe imprint on the bottom of your shoe. So I know it was you. There's evidence. Oh, Uh, I do that all the time. Okay, so back to your CND. Thank you for the reference. (laughs) Yes, Lawrence Fishburne, great actor. Okay, so um, in 2011, she was in a, a film called Five, directed by Alicia Keys. And she got some more acting nominations NAACP Image Awards and Black Reel Awards. So again, outstanding actress in a television movie or miniseries. So she's, you know, she had a lot of recognition, although most of it was, I would say, within from this NAAP, which is actually the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People which is probably a great thing to feel recognized by your own community. But I feel like she's getting a lot of praise and recognition. But because of racism in Hollywood, she hasn't broken in this white mainstream Hollywood yet. Okay, despite her very stacked resume. Despite her resume that's growing and growing. And I think it's because women of color, they basically have to be 10 times as talented and 10 times as beautiful to to land these roles and be offered the parts. And there aren't as many great roles for women of color to audition for. So she's got so much talent. And it's not that it's a be all and end all to be recognized at the Emmys. But at the same time, she wants to share her talent with the world. She's got so much to offer. She deserves the exposure that maybe a woman, a white woman or a white actress who's perhaps less talented than her is 
achieving this success faster. So what's exciting is that in 2014, she was cast in the ABC comedy series Blackish. So this is a bigger network. She's opposite Anthony Anderson, who also was great in Law and Order, speaking of crime shows. And she plays the female lead role of Dr. Rainbow Johnson. The series received pretty good reviews from critics initially. And then again, she received three NAACP Image Awards and nominations for two Critics' Choice Television Awards, four Primetime Emmy Awards, and two Screen Actors Guild Awards for her performance in the series. So she's really breaking out now. And... In 2016, she was nominated for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series, and that was the first for an African-American woman in that category in 30 years, which is crazy and shameful, but it's great for her. And then this is my favorite, Steph. So that same year, she and her co-star faced off on Lip Sync Battle, which is a show, and she won. And she did perform a Nicki Minaj song, but she also performed Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar. And honestly, you need to watch this. It's like... This is my dream. You need to watch this. The only downside is that she's not actually singing but it's amazing. It, the lip syncing is still amazing. Pat Benatar. Right? So I'm nearing, I'm getting closer to the end. I love when this happens. And I didn't always love when this happened. But in 2015, also, she was she got an honorary doctorate of fine arts from Brown. And I didn't always understand honorary doctorates, but I, I do because not everybody does a fancy degree, a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or what have you. But people Mm -hmm. definitely gain the equivalent of that knowledge through their hard work and experience. And I think it's really cool when, when, you know, people across all industries get recognized in that way. That's wonderful. By a prestigious university. So she's also hosted, she's hosted Fashion Awards, she's hosted BET Awards, she's hosted the American Music Awards. So she's she's very personable. Like the thing about Tracy Ellis Ross is that when you, she's got this charisma and confidence and she can hold her own in a lot of different settings. And it's, there's, she's, there's just something about her And I know in Hollywood, there's a lot of actors and actresses who have, I guess, charisma or something je ne sais quoi. But I think she's she's pretty enigmatic if you watch her just in an interview on, you know, Google her, Google some of her interviews. And it's it's really just kind of want to hear what she says next. So in 2018, she launched Pattern Beauty and she wanted the products to be juicy and joyful. It's hair care, it's eco-friendly, safe ingredients for curls. And she also does a lot of work to support organizations that empower women and empower people of color. So I have not tried these products yet. We haven't spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about specific products, but I really, really want to try some of her products just because she's so awesome. Her hair is gorgeous. She 
wears it curly most of the time, but she has so much variety in the different ways that she styles it. So like, I just, you could go down a rabbit hole of her amazing looks that she puts together, both in her hair and her fashion, her makeup, all of it. Like she knows what she's doing. Some CanCon, she appeared in the fourth episode of A Little Late with Lily Singh on late night TV. And what's interesting now is that in 2020, she's actually also played the leading role as Grace Davis, who's a legendary superstar singer, but this is fictional, in a musical comedy drama film called The High Note. So this is a feature film. She hasn't done a feature. It's her first big screen role since 2007. So it's been a long time coming. And what's interesting about this is that she's playing a singer not dissimilar to her mother. Amazing. Yeah. It's and she recorded some she recorded some songs. So she recorded a soundtrack album titled The High Note. It's the original motion picture soundtrack. And she has a pop ballad called Love Myself. And that was released this past spring during so the, she in the pandemic. Sings. She so, sings. She can sing. She can sing like, like her mother. And I think that the film itself is kind of, I don't know. I mean, I think the film itself is a bit like, what do I want to say? Predictable, like kind of like easy uh, watching. Yeah, easy watching, but the performances were applauded. People thought she did a great job. It looks like a fun watch if you're looking for something lighter. And also, it's interesting how the whole film industry has just been impacted so much during COVID because it was supposed to be theatrically released last May. And then it released through video on demand instead, you know, so... These are things that are being navigated by big studios. And I just think it's it's neat. It kind of comes full circle. She's playing a singer, not dissimilar to her mother. Yeah, I love you know, it. I don't really know if she practices Judaism. <laughs> I kind of want to, I want to be her friend, basically, is what I'm saying. But her dad was Jewish. So she, she's just amazing. And she also emceed the second night of the 2020 Democratic National Convention. So basically, that's my short bio of Tracy Ellis Ross, who you need to Google some of her outfits. Great CND, Tamara. Thanks. Oh boy. You ready? I'm ready. My Curl Next Door is a real masterpiece. Okay. Okay. Today I'm going to tell you the story (laughs) of Masterpiece, the poodle. (laughs) Why? <laughs> Is this a dog podcast? Poodles have curls <laughs> and they have hair. Not fur, but hair. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the story about Masterpiece the Poodle, who's one of the most famous poodles of all time. She probably makes more money than me. <laughs> he made a lot of money and I'll get to that. So before I begin, I do want to give sourcing credits to a very cleverly written article on the American Kennel Society website written by Bryn White. Thank you, Bryn. Okay, so the story starts with Count Alexis Pulaski, who was Russian born and emigrated to the United States in 1926. 
He really liked living the good life. He had great wit. He had the gift of the gab. And he started running in high society in New York City. As they do. As they do. <laughs> so he orig- he's always been involved in dogs. And when he was in Russia, he used to breed Doberman pinchers and then carried that over into the U.S. when he moved. However, he switched to poodles in 1939 after dog sitting some poodles for a friend of his. <laughs> like, okay. I like you better. Forget those yeah. Dobermans. Well, yeah, it seems like two extremes of the dog spectrum. Yeah. Okay, so leveraging his high-end connections, because he ran in those circles, he financed and opened a shop called Poodles Inc., or Poodles Incorporated. Okay. It was on 52nd Street, and it opened in 1945. And it operated as a grooming salon, a kennel, and they sold high-end dog accessories with an exclusive focus on poodles. And so to best explain the quality of the shop, I just want to quote the article, which called it a high-end haberdashery of dog furnishings, a Tiffany among dog suppliers. Wow. So that sort of paints the picture. Wait, you're <laughs> so, with it? 1945. Okay. Okay. Just trying to set my context about wars and such. Yeah. End of the war. Um, okay. So in, 19, in August 1946, a new litter of poodles was born. And Pulaski spent the next two months training the puppies and was quite taken with the charm of the largest one. And he named it Pulaski's Masterpiece. And Masterpiece was a nine-inch tall gray toy poodle. Nine inch tall, like as yeah. a puppy. As a grown dog. So there's different size of poodles. And so he was nine inches. Sorry, he's a toy poodle. He's a toy poodle. Okay. But he's a real poodle. <laughs> a tiny poodle. They're, yeah, they're called toy poodles. Because. But he's not a toy. He's a I real know, dog. I, I know, <laughs> but my aunt and uncle have like standard poodles that are quite big. Yeah. Okay. So clear? Yes. Yes. I'm good. I'm good. I get it. (laughs) He wasn't just nine inches when he was a puppy. He like, that's what size he was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Masterpiece started participating in dog shows and fairly quickly received a championship title, as well as a mix of other really important wins. And he started traveling to major cities across the U.S. And as he did that, his popularity grew. And so Pulaski, who, in keeping with his fine tastes, commissioned a complete set of dog clothes, including pajamas, a bathrobe, and a raincoat. Wow. <laughs> the dog just for was, Masterpiece. Just for, it was, this was for Masterpiece. And the dog was given a celebrity level four-person crew of staff. He had a full-time bodyguard. This is the dog, okay? The dog had a full-time bodyguard who also acted as his dietitian. What? He had a a personal beautician. He had a trainer who was a former lion tamer from the Bronx Zoo. And this gentleman taught him party tricks. And then he also had a fourth person in his crew uh, who was a human traveling companion. So I guess Pulaski couldn't always take his dog around. He had a companion who would do that. Wow. 
So Pulaski would often host parties at his Upper East Side apartment with guests from around the world, including press and artists and veterinarians and bankers and socialites. (laughs) And at these parties, Masterpiece, the poodle, would perform, including walking on two feet or walking on a tightrope or communicating through grunts and growls. Remembering the timeline we're talking about here, it's middle of the 40s. He could also answer the question, Masterpiece, are you a communist? And Masterpiece would shake his head no. The lion tamer taught him to say no if he was asked if he was a communist. (laughs) Yeah, what's with the lion tamer like? I think I'm going to switch to poodle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Okay. Okay. So... Needless to say, Masterpiece continued to get more and more famous. And this is where I bring in when you were saying he probably makes more money. Yeah. So the Pakistani prince, Ali Khan, tried to buy him for his wife, Rita Hayworth, for $25,000. However, Pulaski would not sell. And it's because Masterpiece was already earning $11,000 a year as a stud dog and as a model. And he was bringing in so much cash that he had his own bank account. Wow. Masterpiece ended up siring roughly 350 dogs. Oh my God. And the owners of his offspring included Judy Garland. Oh, hey. There's so circle. many. It always goes full circle. <laughs> That's funny. Gary Cooper and Ava Perron. Oh. And Masterpiece also appeared in ads for hosiery, shoes, drapery, and telephones. He also appeared in a runway show in Paris. Wow. And then soon after, Air France gave him a farewell party for him and his friends with a special menu, including a dish named in his honor. Sorry, the dog's friends? Like the dog's dog friends or the dog's people friends? The dog's dog friends. Wow. Okay. And Masterpiece was so VIP Mm -hmm. that he was even allowed into restaurants in Paris that had no dog policies. And this type of fanfare followed him around to major cities throughout Europe. So he was quite the cat's meow. <laughs> but um, What was his mindset like? Was he happy with all this fame? Well, he had a very good temperament mm-hmm. and he was trained. So he's, I mean, one would never know, but he played along. Okay. So back in America, Masterpiece Fever continued to grow. And Pulaski clearly had a good head for public relations. In advance of a dog show, he arranged for a masterpiece to lead a parade of dog friends up Fifth Avenue to Milgram's department store. And the dogs joined a display of faux fur products modeled after a curly poodle coat. And so they would then be on display. So one window in the department store had all of the harem, all the other poodles, and then yeah and then masterpiece was in a separate window reclining in his red velvet lined shadow box <laughs> what i need to see pictures of all yeah. of this and cops were required on site cuz the crowds were so huge okay so now we're in spring of 1953 and the unthinkable happens <gasps> what back in manhattan at poodles inc the store in kennel Pulaski and his staff popped downstairs in their shop for something. And then when they returned upstairs, they realized Masterpiece had gone missing. Mm. A dog napping. There was a dog napping. And so over the next several weeks, police attempted to locate Masterpiece. 
13 different states were involved in the dog hunt. 13 states? 13 states. And it made headline news, including an ample reward. And part of the reward was another dog in exchange named Just Johnny. And Just Johnny was one of Masterpiece's offspring, and he was most like his father. But it was not to be. However, they did have one witness that came forward claiming to have seen a dark-haired woman in a red coat with a gray dog departing Poodles, Inc. Hmm. But during this time, it, was, it had become so common for fashionable New Yorkers to be seen in the city with a poodle. But the reason the witness felt something was a bit off is that there was no leash. And so Pulaski later remarked that due to Masterpiece's training and pristine behavior, he would not have needed a leash because he would have obeyed anyone who gave commands in a dog show fashion because he was just so well-trained. Right. So sadly, the dog was never found and the intent for the dog napping never determined and the crime never solved. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's Masterpiece. But despite his disappearance, Pulaski continued to sell Masterpiece memorabilia, including first person written or first dog written journals from Masterpiece himself. What, what does that mean? Well, Pulaski would publish material from the voice of Masterpiece. Like his thoughts? Like deep thoughts? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. And just Johnny, if yeah. you recall, that was the name of Masterpiece's son, took yeah. the mantle and started acting as a substitute to Masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And started getting a lot of gigs. He was considered the most photographed dog in New York, which makes me wonder, maybe just Johnny was in on it. Maybe. Jealousy. But he was not nearly as successful as his father. And as the article said, he was, after all, just Johnny, not a masterpiece. The the whole name, uh, Just Johnny, why do you have to say just? I know, just call him Johnny. Just call him Johnny. Or, and just then the, imagine if I had a child and named, <laughs> named my child Tamara's masterpiece. <laughs> Or tomorrow. Oh <laughs> Silly. Okay. So, sorry. Go. Okay. In the aftermath, no, it's hilarious. This is why I had to do this story. <laughs> I never would have guessed in a million years. You're like, I'm doing M. I'm like, okay. Imagine if we, I was like, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unlikely. Okay. So, in the aftermath of the disappearance, mm-hmm. Pulaski heightened security at Poodles Inc. Mm hmm. He also created a shrine devoted to Masterpiece, which included his green canopy bed and all of his photographs. But then the store closed in 1956. Okay. So this cultural interest in pampering our pets has had a lasting effect. And it's thought that Pulaski's attention to Masterpiece inspired how we treat our dogs today, which is so interesting. And this was in the 40s and 50s. And poodles were such a big deal at this time. Apparently, Elizabeth Taylor was said to have bottled her haircut after her pet poodle. <laughs> I try and avoid the poodle look, but I've often felt like a poodle, but not been trying to like go for poodle on purpose. Well, that's that's the irony of this as a curly haired person. Yeah. <laughs> like you would never do that. And it was said at the time, and I don't know who wrote this. It was quoted in a newspaper. When a girl makes the big time, she traditionally acquires three things. Minx, 
gems and a poodle. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh my God. New York was so poodle crazed that the owners were highly invested in luxury accessories. An anonymous Manhattanite was quoted as, but it's embarrassing in the city if your dog doesn't have a nice velvet blazer when all the other dogs at its school do. The dogs at its dog school? Whatever. I don't know. All the dogs were in couture. God. And then the actress Monique Van Voren had matching mink coats made for her and her poodle Fondini, who I want to know was also later kidnapped. A lot of dog napping going on. Well, poodle napping. Poodle napping specifically, I guess. Well, here's two instances of it. Uh Uh-huh. So owners, poodle owners really liked that they could customize their animal, which sounds terrible, but I I guess that was a thing Mm -hmm. because poodles came and still come in different sizes, different temperaments. And bringing it back to the hair, you could apply a colored rinse onto your poodle, dyeing their coat pink or any other color you're choosing. And Pulaski didn't like rinses, but he did offer 17 different poodle haircut styles, including one called the Mae West and another called the Sailor Clip, which provided a bell-bottom effect in the legs. And so there you go. We'll never know what happened to Masterpiece, but his legacy and impact lives on. And I find this very funny because there is some poodle legacy in my family. While I've never owned a poodle, my sister must have thought she did because as children, due to my fluffy, curly hair, she nicknamed me Fifi. (laughs) And it's a name that has stuck with me for life. And it's hilarious because if you Google Fifi the poodle, so many images come up. There's so many Fifis. Yeah. It was a popular poodle name. There's a Fifi on peanuts. Minnie Mouse had a poodle named Fifi. And the nickname's firmly cemented in my family because my niece has two Aunt Stephanie's. So to make it easy on her when she was a child, I went by Aunt Fifi. And now I'm Aunt Fifi, or as my brother-in-law calls me, the Fief. <laughs> the Fief. I like that. Well, so there you go. Clearly, Masterpiece has had a lasting impact and people just don't know his legacy. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that funny? It's very, it's a very funny story. And I, I have to see all these pictures of the poodles going to the department store with their friends and the different poodle haircuts, the, the Mae West. What I, I need a visual on that, you know? I know, I know, I know. There's so many pictures. Wow. Well, so, it's so nice to hear your voice and record too. with you. And Happy holidays. Thank you. And you too. We will re- resume with the... Uh, with our listeners shortly thereafter and with some fresh new episodes. And we just, you know, thank you again for listening and, and don't forget to reach out to us, rate the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, listen, find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're, we're on Stitcher and Apple and Spotify, all the places you can find us on Instagram too and Twitter, Curl Next Door Pod on Twitter, Curl Next Door Podcast on Instagram. Yeah. Do you want to thank some other people, Steph? Thanks to all of you. Happy holidays. And please send photos of how you're styling your hair or if you've got any hair stories you want to share. When we regroup in the new year, we'll start sharing some anecdotes from our network. That would be amazing. Bye. Bye, Tamara. Bye.